It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS. Twitter Twitter.tv slash AJ Nick3. What's good? Big, big golf edition of the pod ahead of the 87th Masters. We'll dive into it. A gigantic preview on this pod. We'll talk about the previous winners, the weather. The course changes, how the course will play out, the storylines, the odds, and then I'll give you some picks. We'll do a midweek soccer recap, a weekend soccer preview, some NFL headlines to touch on, and of course, Mandalorian reaction at the end of the pod, which we got takes about that, which of course, right, of course we do. So that is what is on this Thursday edition of the pod for those celebrating, um, obviously, Ramadan. I think it's you can say happy Ramadan, right? I think you can. So if you can, I recognize your holiday, the Ramadan, and then also Passover. And, of course, Sunday is the Catholic Easter. So uh, anybody celebrating out there, have a great holiday. And enjoy the weekend, okay? So we got a Sunday, an Easter Sunday at Augusta, which Jordan Spieth has won back-to-back years on Easter Sunday. Now, those tournaments have not been... The Masters, but this year, so we'll see what happens there. Plenty to talk about when we get to the Masters preview after we do a little table of content stuff at the beginning here. So we'll do Masters preview, midweek soccer recap, uh, weekend soccer preview, NFL headlines, Mandalorian reaction, and more. We say goodbye to college basketball on Tuesday. Uh, the, the Joe Biden stuff was ridiculous. Again, it just proves that there's so big of a disconnect between people and politics and actual real human beings that play sports like if i ever finish second in something and they try to give me the same thing as the winner i'd spit in their face that's just maybe that's just the competitor in me my bad all right uh so that's all i want to talk about there so we say goodbye to college basketball on tuesday's show really i would say after the soccer season ends we'll probably go to once a week for the summer until we get uh closer to football because Maybe we'll do twice a week. Well, I don't know. Maybe with weight. Well, m- more than likely we'll start going once a week after um, soccer ends. But that's okay. That's a, that's a little bit away still. A little bit away. We've got a month and change here. April into May. And then June, July will probably be once a week or so into August. So we'll figure it out. So a little housekeeping at the start of the pod. Kick it off with our 87th Masters preview. We'll take a look at the last five winners. The defending champion, Scotty Scheffler, finished with 10 under in uh, 2022, 2021. Hideki Matsuyama, same score as Scheffler, 10 under. Then 2020, the November edition, Dustin Johnson. 2019, the great return of Tiger Woods, shot 13 under. 2018, the cheater, Patrick Reed, 15 under. So a couple 10s. Obviously, the DJ 20 under is the outlier here. Um because of the November conditions. Uh, the Tiger at 13 was unbelievable, and Reed had a really good score at 15 under. So, yeah, probably going to have to be in double digits. If you're around the mid-teens in relation to par, you got a pretty good chance of putting on that green jacket. So, uh, a couple 10-unders, 13-under for Tiger, 15-under for the Cheater, and DJ took it way under at 20-under. 
for the November edition. But we could see similar conditions to what we did see in that November Masters. The ground is going to be soft and wet from this rain being a factor early in the week. And then as the championship goes on, Thursday seems like it'll be the best day. High of 85, low of 67, chance of rain after 2 p.m., a south wind only 8 miles an hour. Friday, high 74, low 49, big difference there. Chance of uh, rain higher as the day goes on. Wind flips to east-northeast at 11 miles an hour. Saturday, similar wind out of the northeast, 12 miles an hour, but high of 51, low of 47. Going to be a raw day on Saturday. Very likely uh, some rain in the forecast on Saturday. Then Sunday, the rain from Saturday night into Sunday morning should taper off as the day goes on. Wind still out of the northeast. Might pick up a little bit, but high of 60, low of 48. So that's the weather for Augusta National. You hope that they can finish the rounds in one day. Maybe there's a delay or two, but we get the 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 guys off the course. You hate delays. You hate uh, quick turnarounds for the afternoon wave for the versus the morning wave. That kind of stuff. You want it as even as possible. But with this weather report, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, if we get all four rounds played in all four days, in a sense, do we, do we take Friday off? Is it a doubleheader Saturday into Sunday? Like, the weather is going to be a factor here, which is unfortunate because you don't want it to be, but it is, and it won't be the clear sunny skies that sometimes we're used to in early April in Augusta, Georgia, for this championship. All right, so that's the weather in our past champions. How about the course Usually Augusta has, you know, two to three changes to either a green complex or a tee box or some bunkering um, or fixing some undulation or removing some trees. This year, the only change they reported was the new tee box at 13 that's eight feet higher up and 35 yards further back. So they moved the tee at 13 back, which changes the hole significantly for a lot of people um cutting the corner there as a lefty with a fade is a little more difficult and for the right hand player the majority of the field turning over a draw at that corner got much more difficult so the story of the 13th hole where if you didn't have a good eagle look you almost lost two shots on onto the field now it might play as a traditional three-shot par five throughout the tournament. You know, if they don't get rollout on these drives, you're probably not going to have, one, a comfortable yardage, and two, if you're familiar with the 13th hole, there is a gigantic tilt from the high right side of that fairway to the low side of the creek, okay? So you could have... Yeah, maybe it's still 5-iron or 4-iron, um, maybe a hybrid, maybe not 3-wood. But you could have that yardage, but the ball, it could almost be a baseball swing. So you would figure a lot more guys would say, okay, let me make 4 the old-fashioned way, lay up in 1-putt instead of go for the green and 2-putt for birdie. So big change at 13. I think this dates back to when Bubba won his second jacket and just piped a couple drives and had I'm pretty sure he had pitching wedge in on Sunday if I'm not mistaken um, and then Jordan wins the next year 
but I really believe he had driver pitching wedge into a par five. So they were not very happy with that. And they made a bunch of changes last year, which I'll remind you of next, but they didn't make the change at 13. They finally did. They moved that tee box 35 yards back and up eight more feet, which changes the angle. So the reminder of the work done last year, because I do feel like they do so much work year to year to only hear the change at 13 is kind of interesting. But just a reminder of last year, they made changes at 11, 15, and 18. 11, they moved it back into the left, back into the left, back into the left. Um, several trees removed on the right side of 11 as well. 15, that par 5, they moved 20 yards back. 18, they moved 13 yards back to make that shoot a little tighter. And then the greens got redone at 3, 13, and 17. So now it seems like they've worked on the 13th hole back-to-back years, and maybe they won't touch it going forward. So we'll see what happens there. But the big, big course change so far and really the only change that Augusta has reported has been at 13 with the tee box, adding some length and changing the angle with the height. So the course will be wet as we take a look at some of the other holes. One and seven are very tough to score on. Four, five, and 11 are not birdie holes. Okay, the front is almost survive. And the back is like, okay, let's try to score. The second nine, sorry. The first nine and the second nine. I got to get my... Uh, it's not fans or patrons. I got to get, um, it's not the rough, it's the second cut. I got to get all my um, Augusta terms ready to go here uh, as we get ready for this for this first major of the season. So one, make a four and get to two. Two, try to make birdie. We'll touch on some birdie holes. But four and five are tough holes, okay? Three is an interesting hole but it is birdieable. Six and seven are very hard holes. Eight with the par five. And then nine isn't the easiest hole to finish on. So four, five, 11, one and seven, very tough to score on. You have to score on the par fives. You have to make birdie at two, eight, 13, 15. You got to probably have an eagle look at eight or 15. And depending on the wind and what kind of kick you get off the... um. Hill at two, you could get there in two. We've seen a couple great shots at two over the recent years. So the par fives, two, eight, 13, 15, you have to score on. That's what separates the guys who do all right and the guys that win the majors. So one, make your four get out of there. Two, birdie. Uh, Three, you probably could birdie it. Four is a tough hole. Five is a tough hole. Six is not an easy hole. Seven, I don't think, is an easy hole at all. Eight, you got a birdie. And nine would be a nice birdie if you could steal one. So, you're absolutely... At the start of that round, on one, it's... People kind of overlook one. And really, the first nine in general... Because so much happens on that second nine, as we know. Obviously, amen corner with 11, 12, 13. 10's a fun hole. Okay, if you can turn it over, you can give yourself a chance. That's one of the coolest bunkers on the course, maybe on uh, the planet, that fairway bunker at 10. Such a cool look. Um, that's a long hole as well, a long par four. 11, trying to make your four get out of there. Do not put your second in the water because then you're really looking at a big number 
because then you're dropping four. And that's a tough green to hold the ball. And then you got to hold it to get a double. You know, that's a that's a chance to make a big number at 11. Obviously, we've seen guys' tournaments get ruined at 12, okay, and their chances at a green jacket get ruined at 12. But there's also people that play 12 sneaky good. You know, if you get the right wind and the right yardage, like, that's not necessarily a tough hole. Yes, it's a small green, okay, but these guys are the best in the world. And if they have a light wind and they know where the wind's coming from and they know the yardage and they can hit a club and commit to it, you can make a putt there. You're Even when the flag's on the right side on that Sunday, traditional Sunday hole location, if you put it on the left side of the green and you got a 30-40-footer, you know where it's breaking. So if you get the pace in the line right, you're going to have a good chance to make a two even if you're 30 feet away somehow. So 12 is a very, very cool hole. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, par threes in the world. Uh, well, it ain't going to be at Rowan Atlanta, that's for sure. For my Jersey people. But um, 12 is a very, very interesting hole. And then we've already talked about 13. The importance of 13. Uh, the fill shot on 13 through the pine straw with the six iron. Uh, All-time stuff. There's been so much history of that 13. I mean, there's so much history every hole, to be fair. But 13, the way they've changed it, um, it's going to be a big, big talking point. So then you got 14, not a very difficult par four. If you can make birdie there, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, 15, the par five, got to make birdie. 16, listen, 16 is a chance at, at one. If you if you are trying to get a hole in one, there, 16 is your chance. Because you know if you get that ball started on that line and coming towards the hole, you're going to have a big chance of that ball slipping in for one on 16. We've seen it so many times. So 16 can absolutely be a birdie hole. We've seen that. And then we've also seen guys like Xander Shoffley who play 15 tough and then go to 16 and absolutely blow it, okay, the Matsuyama uh, year. And then 17, 18, it's a tough finish. You know, 17 gets overlooked because you're out of that stretch of amen corner into 15 and 16 and then right before 18 where everybody knows how important 18 is. So 17 gets overlooked, but it's a good hole. And then 18, that second shot up the hill into that tiered green, if you have good you know, distance control, you're going to give yourself a good opportunity to make a three. If your distance control is poor, I mean, you could easily three-putt that green. Easily. Um, so the course itself, that first nine... Try to make birdie at two and eight, and if you're two under at the turn, that's not a bad thing. Two two under with seven pars on the nine, on the first nine, I would not complain about that. I understand some guys could be three or four under, possibly on that first nine, but if I'm two under and it's clean and I'm going to the, the second nine with that, I would be very happy. And then 10, you try to make a good par. 11, you try to make a good par. And then 12, if the win's right, try to make a two, but walk away with three. 13, you got to score on. 14, possibly. 15, you got to score on. And then you got three holes left with probably a mid to mid iron, short iron, maybe even a wedge, depending on the wind at 16 and where the pin is and where the T marker is at 16 there. And then 17, you got to hit two good drives and hit two good approach shots and give yourself a chance on those greens. Um, 
So there are always opportunities to score on this course. We know the par fives. Our champions in this tournament have done well at the par fives. That's really where not only you stay in the tournament, but that's where you got to distance yourself. If you get a couple eagles, I mean, that's just gigantic because that's picking up possibly two shots on guys that can't birdie, and it's still picking up a shot on guys that birdie and play it a pretty good hole. So that is the courses. Let's talk about storylines. Let's talk about players. Scotty Scheffler, our defending champion at Augusta. We have not had a defending champion since Tiger Woods. Oh, one or two. So Scotty Scheffler could be the first. He wears the Tiger shoes. He has the very interesting footwork with his swing. A very, very good golfer. Um, a guy that has power. A pretty good iron player. And we've seen him poor putts in the hole. Absolutely poor putts in the hole. So Scotty Scheffler defending absolutely has a fantastic chance to defend. He's won. He's won there. He's won big tournaments, not just this championship. And to get two green jackets before he got any other major would be pretty crazy, but it's certainly possible. Certainly possible for Scotty Scheffler to defend at Augusta National. Roy McIlroy chasing the career slam. He has not won a major since 2014, finished second in this championship last year. Had a lot of opportunities in majors last season. Certainly, I hope he's not kicking himself over the Open Championship where Cam Smith just kind of stole it from him on Sunday on that second nine at St. Andrews at the 150th Open Championship. That just Rory should have been destined to win, but that's another story for another day, unfortunately. But Rory could capture the career slam at Augusta, this is his ninth time trying to do it. So, if you haven't done it in the first couple starts of chasing the career slam, it doesn't seem like you do it, unfortunately, for uh, the guys that have captured three out of the four major championships. So, Rory, chasing the career slam, has not won a major since 2014, has won a bunch of big tournaments, though. So, could this be the year for Rory McIlroy? I um I think it is. And you're going to be like, AJ, you just pick Rory to win every major because you really like Rory. Yeah, okay, fine. I picked Jordan sometimes too. But point being, Rory, for me, you know, besides Tiger, you know, Jordan, JT, like Rory's my guy. Uh, Rory's my number two, just behind Tiger. So... I root for Rory so hard. I love Rory McIlroy, an inspiration to all that you don't have to be, you know, absolutely juiced up like Tiger. Uh, Rory's pretty big, but he's not like big in stature is my point. He's worked on uh, getting those games. But anyway, a guy that can pound the driver, a guy that can throw darts, and a guy that can get hot with the putter is a guy that can win at Augusta National. So the people being... You know, saying to me, AJ, why why do you keep picking Rory? Why He hasn't won a major since 2014. He can't do it. Any I say, why not Rory McIlroy? So, Rory, a big storyline. Jordan Spieth, great record here at Augusta, but no second jacket yet. Hasn't won a major since 2017, but certainly played better golf 
uh, last season after going through some swing changes. And this season, he's played some good golf as well. So Jordan Spieth has had plenty of success at this golf course. I think his creativity um, certainly helps him at a place like this where there's only one um, extra cut besides the fairway. So his ball, if he misses a green, he's usually going to get a, an okay lie. He's going to be able to see the back of the golf ball. And, you know, if he wants to throw a 60 on it, he can. If he wants to bump and run it, he can. If he wants to putt it, he might be able to. So, um, you know, the fringe, the green, the second cut, it's all so uniform. It's not like they're trying to um, – it's not like they're trying to hurt the players by making them get buried in the second cut. They just want it to be a little bit of a hindrance, not something that greatly affects them. So – I think that helps Jordan Spieth a ton. We've seen him have plenty of success here, but he has still not gotten that second green jacket win. A couple second places, a blown tournament, as we know, trying to go back-to-back. -back. Very interesting time for Jordan Spieth, and it's a place he's very comfortable in. It's a place he's very familiar with, and it's a place he's won before and has competed in years he hasn't won, so... If he's in the mix, there's no reason why he can't pull it out on Sunday. John Rahm, an outstanding golfer, already a major champion, U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, has had success in other majors but not a win. Is it John Rahm's time to be another Spaniard that puts on the green jacket? We've had Ballesteros, we've had Olfabo, we've had Sergio. Could it be John Rahm, another Spaniard? to put on the green jacket on Sunday. A very good driver of the ball, another solid enough iron player, and a guy with the putter that sometimes he just rolls him in from 60 feet, and you're like, well, okay, he's not going to do it again. And then the next hole, he just does it again. We've seen that happen. I believe that was at the Memorial. He did that. Justin Thomas has two now. He's got two Wanamakers. A lot of people talking about JT last year being like, well, is he going to get a second? When's he going to get a second? Well, here we go. He had a second. Now he comes to a place where he hasn't had a ton of success. This isn't a place where um, he's had top five, top five, you know, like contending on Sunday, top five, like in the mix. Like he's missed the cut here. He struggled a little bit here. But another golfer that has an excellent mentality, you saw it at Southern Hills when – He's just said, I need to post a score and get in the house and see what happens. And even throughout that round on Sunday, he did have that big hole. I think he double bogeyed, if not. He definitely bogeyed. Did he double bogeyed? I think he double bogeyed, uh, if I remember correctly. So he's had some adversity. He goes out, he posts a number, and it's good enough to get in a playoff, and then he wins the playoff. So he's got two now. He comes to Augusta with some confidence back. Um and he is a very confident player and a very, very good player. And a guy that, if he starts the tournament in contention, he's going to find a way to be in the mix. You know, if he gets off to a good start on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, maybe he takes a step back. Well, you saw him at Southern Hills literally do that and then win on Sunday. So 
I don't think JT's afraid of getting in a duel with anybody. I don't think JT's afraid of coming from behind. I don't think JT's afraid of winning from the front. So it's just about JT putting himself in a position to either come from behind, lead from the front, or um, run away. Being in and run away. So the winner of this championship has had a lead or a share of the lead of the 54 holes uh, very recently. Another guy with two majors, Colin Morikawa. Too early on in his career. I understand he hasn't won recently, but a guy who has some pretty high odds for a guy that's won two major championships. Um, a tremendous ball striker, a very good driver of the ball, and a guy, again, with a streaky hot putter. If he can make putts, we've seen him win major championships that way. So, Colin Morikawa is a guy that I'm certainly going to play in my win in top five because... He's just that good, and he's got a great perspective and attitude, and he really studies the game. They did a feature on golf. Uh, it was a golf digest or golf, whatever it was, about the 12th hole, and on his yardage book, he just has a, a section of the green and it just says no on the right side. So, Colin Morikawa is a guy that certainly could be wearing a green jacket. Fitzpatrick, U.S. Open champion at Brookline. New expectations now that you're a major champion. You know, not just, oh, a top 20 is nice. A top 15 finishes. No, it's when you're going to get your second one. You got to validate it because there's been a lot of guys that have won majors and not done anything else. And not saying that those guys should get knocked or um, they were flukes. That's not what I'm saying at all. To win a major championship is very hard. You earn every one of them. Okay. Point being, when you get one, it's a race to get to. Now, Fitzpatrick has had some okay finishes. I don't know if he can win necessarily at Augusta. He's very precise. He's gotten longer for sure. But is he going to just have too many high iron shots, mid to high iron shots into these greens? Where... He's not going to be 10 to 12 feet. He's going to be 30 to 35 feet and, you know, fighting for two putts. New expectations. It's it's big when you win a major championship. And he absolutely earned it. But now it's a race to get a second. Sander Shoffley, a guy with a gold medal, but is it his time for a major? He was right there against Matsuyama in 2021. Played the 16th hole very poorly and shot himself out of the tournament on Sunday on the second nine. Since then, of course, we've seen him play better, win tournaments, and be in these moments. You've seen Xander Shoffley continuously on leaderboards of major championships over the last few years. So is this a time when he breaks in? Wills Torres has had great finishes in majors. Three seconds or tied seconds in three different majors. Six top tens in nine starts. He's saying that he's finally feeling healthy again. And that he's ready to compete and possibly break through and win one of these majors. And not just compete and be a factor, but be the factor. A guy that has a 
terrible putting stroke, but they get in the hole somehow. Okay? Can swing out of his shoes and really let one loose, but is a pretty good ball striker. That's for sure. That's Will Zalatoris. Now, other guys trying to break through. Max Homa, a lot of talk about Max Homa. A guy that's learned how to win. A guy that's grinded it out and won tournaments that are important to him. So that's the first step. You know, to win, uh, to knock him, the Fortnite championship back to that year. So that's great. Not a big field. But then he wins Riviera. You know what I mean? So he wins at Tory this year. So he's won tournaments that mean something to him. I think that sets him up for success in major championships in the future. This is a year for him to compete and contend. If he wins one, great. But I want to see him in the mix on a Sunday. I don't want to see him fighting to make the cut. I want to see him in the mix, possibly stealing one of these four championships this year. But in the mix for a couple of them, and then we'll see where we go from there. Pat Cantley has to win a major at some point. You know, I'm tired of hearing about Patrick Cantley being a great golfer, and he because he is. Don't get me wrong. He's a great golfer, excellent player, but I want to see it in the big ones. I, I don't really care about the Travelers champion. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really – I'll watch them. I enjoy them. I like the golf. But if you say, AJ, rank all your tournaments right now. I'd say the four majors. I'd say the players. I'd say the Tory. I'd say the Riv. I'd say Pebble. I'd say Arnold. I'd say Jack. And top of my head, that's about it. Okay? They they took away my um my my not the Barclays. It was the Barclays before. What Northern Trust, they took it away. So I can't even see these guys anymore now. Uh but Patrick Haley, you gotta win a major, dude. You gotta win a major. Tony Finau, same kind of thing. Same kind of thing for Tony Finau. A guy that we've seen win now on the PGA tour. Now does it translate to majors? Billy Horschel has not played well in majors since his first. He's kind of struggled. It seems like he's gets so amped up for these and so excited that it's kind of a detriment to himself. So I'm very interested to see how he's going to be able to keep his temperament um, in check because I love it. I love how he plays. He has a fiery, but it's cost him in these major championships. Billy Horschel's a guy. Daniel Berger's a nice player. I don't think he'll ever be a major champion, but he's a nice player. Kiz, I don't see winning this type of tournament. Kiz will probably have to win um, an Open Championship or maybe a PGA. He doesn't really have the game for U.S. Open. Listen, he grew up basically on these type of courses, but it's just a touch too long for him in some holes. Some holes he has five iron going into. Other guys have eight iron. You know, Sometimes he has seven iron. Other guys have wedge. Like, it's just not fair. Um, it's not the best course for him to win. Now, if he's fairway green and dropping in some bombs, yeah, he could absolutely win. What are you talking about? But if he's fairway green, two putt par, like, those are good, but you got to separate yourself in these championships. Justin Rose is always there on these leaderboards. As are these other Brits, Tommy Fleetwood, Hatton, Shane Lowry, okay? So some good players from across the pond there. 
We got some young guns still teeing up. Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Tom Kim, Sungjae M. A lot of good players there waiting and trying to break through for their first major. How about the resurgence of Jason Day? I mean, I wish Ricky was here, but Jason Day's resurgence has been awesome to see. He's been healthy enough. You know, the back's not really killing him anymore. You can see it. He's more free in his swing. You know, for a long time there, you saw him swing, and then he would immediately grimace. And he would grimace picking up the tee. He'd grimace getting the ball out of the hole. He'd grimace going down to, um, you know, the catcher stance to read putts. Like, you're not really seeing that. You're seeing a more free golf swing. You're seeing a more uh, free kind of gait when he walks. Unlike Tiger, for example, which sucks. Um, but Jason Day, the resurgence from him. Past champions, Adam Scott, Danny Willett, Matsuyama. How will they stack up? Adam Scott has a great game. Can he putt? Danny Willett, you know, a guy that certainly benefited from someone in front of him blowing it, but he played some great golf, and you'll never walk alone, as I told him at the Northern Trust. And Matsuyama, always a great ball striker. If he can get the putter hot, he's there. Um, speaking of Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods seeing it back up. And Danny Rappaport of the 4Play podcast, shout out 4Play, shout out Barstool Sports, my guys, asked Tiger Woods, did he feel like he can win? And Tiger has always said yes and like stared through the reporter's soul and been like, "Why? how dare you ask me if you think I can win a golf tournament? How dare you? That was kind of the vitriol and the tone that oozed from Tiger Woods when you asked him if he could win a, a tournament that he entered because that was the whole point of him entering the tournament. He thinks he can win it. And it was the first time he said kind of, yeah, but. He kind of said, yeah, but. It's a tough walk. So the leg, it's catching up. He can swing. He can do it all still with the golf swing. But the walk is very difficult. The walk is very, very difficult. So, and there's a guy, like, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. If he's on the board on Sunday, who's ever in front of him is quaking. Because everybody there. Everybody watching, everybody in the golf world would probably be rooting for Tiger Woods against anybody else. So, if Tiger's on the leaderboard on Sunday, watch out. Because what happened at 12 on Sunday a few years ago? Kepka water, Finau water, Molinari water. And Tiger Woods. Did the dart at 16? Made, what, 5 at 18 and walked away with another green jacket. All right, so there's this other tour, the Live Tour, if you're not familiar. 18 of their guys teeing up. DJ's got two majors, but I think personally he's checked out. I don't think he cares anymore. Cam Smith has had some good finishes in majors. The Open champion, the, the champion golfer of the year defending over there when we go back over to uh, Britain later in the calendar in July there. So Cam Smith's had some good finishes in majors. He's been... Uh, he's the only player that have four rounds in the 60s and one tournament will not win. So that'll be a crazy stat until somebody else does it and maybe matches him. 
Kepka has four majors, and he's won two of his last six live starts. Now, I don't know what to make of that. Because it's not a four-day tournament. It's not a UT off at one or ten. You're on a random hole for three days. There's a team aspect. I just don't know what to put into that, to be fair. And Brooks is a guy that seems to have regretted his decision. He didn't think it would play out this way. He's a guy in the beginning that was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. They haven't really negotiated with me. Da, da, da. I'm kind of against it. And then they threw a bag at him. He said, okay. And it seemed like he didn't know it was going to be this perception and reality, whatever. So guys like Brooks and Cam and DJ, it seems like a lot of the guys get on with still, but Bryson, Sergio, Patrick Reed, these guys, it doesn't seem like the PGA Tour guys get along with. So Bryson, the U.S. Open champ at Wigfoot, famously called Augusta National par 67. Since then, he's not played it well, and he's definitely shot over par and certainly over par 67, you nerd. Uh, so Bryson's a loser. Bubba, Sergio, Schwartzel, Patrick Reed, previous champions at Augusta, where they're the shapes of their games. Phil, I don't know what to say. I really don't. No Phil last year. He's back this year. <laughs> I got nothing on Phil. These guys, I just haven't watched. I haven't watched them. You know, going into a major, you watch the tournaments leading up to it. You say, oh, that guy's playing good. That guy's not playing good. This guy, you know. I haven't seen Phil in 25 months, it seems like, okay? Ustase and Neiman, Pereira, Peters, Answer, Varner, Kokrak, Kevin Na, and Taylor Gooch, the rest of the live guys. Teeing it up. All right, check a look at the odds. Scotty Scheffler is the favorite. He's the defending champ. He's 5-1. to one. Rory, just short of 7-1 to one at 15-2. to two. John Rahm, 9-1. to one. Spieth, 15. The guys at 20-1. to one. Cam Smith, Kyle Morikawa. Max Homa, Patrick Cantley. How about at 22 to 1, JT and Xander? Tony Finau, Jason Day, 25 to 1. DJ, Cam Young, Sam Burns, Victor Hovland, 28 to 1. Will Z, 30 to 1. Cam Young, another interesting guy. Uh, probably should have been in that breakthrough class that I was talking about. Del Torres, 31. M, 33 to 1. Kepka Matsuyama, 35 to 1. Corey Connors and Tom Kim, 40. Fitz, 45. Fleetwood, 51. Hatton, 55. Neiman, 61. Tiger Woods and Shane Larry, 65 to 1. Justin Rose, Patrick Reed, 75 to 1. Oosthuizen, Lee and Mitchell, 80 to 1. Bryson DeChambeau, the nerd, is 85 to 1. Kim, Pereira, Vigala, 90 to 1. Gooch, Scott, Kiyama, Answer, 100 to 1. Kirk, Watson, Hoagie, Henley, Garcia, 125. Horschel, Bradley, Champ, Peters, 175 to 1. Woodland, Phil, 201. All right, my picks. Because I like to do, and I just won some ammo with some units on the Yukon future. So I got 19 plays in total here. Now, the winners in the top five, I do the same. So if they do win, I get a double hit there. And if they don't win, I still get them top five if they finish in the top five. So the top five in winner picks, I have Rory, Spieth, JT, and Morikawa. Top 10 picks, I have uh, Scotty Scheffler and Xander Shoffley. Top 20 picks, Homa, Kiz, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Tiger Woods, Jason Day. And then I got Bryson, Phil, and Patrick Reed to miss the cut. So those are the plays 
the winner overall. I really hope it's Roy McIlroy. Um, he deserves another major championship. He deserves a career Grand Slam. He's been the face of the tour in the absence of Tiger Woods when Tiger's kind of been healing and recovering. Everybody's looked up to Rory. Rory's been the mouthpiece. Rory deserves a green jacket. He's got some second-place finishes. He had the collapse, as we know, very early in his career here when he put the, the drive on somebody's house, okay, in their yard. But it's Rory McIlroy's time to put on a green jacket. So I'm picking Rory McIlroy to win this year's Masters at Augusta National. And four days of great golf. Hopefully the weather holds off and we uh, finish it. All right, overdue footy, midweek soccer recap. Bournemouth, Brighton, Brighton went at 2-0. Ferguson and, and CISO. And CISO, score for Brighton. Leeds and Forrest. Leeds went at 2-1. Mangala scored first for Forrest, but then Jack Harrison leveled it. And Sinistera, the winner for Leeds. Leicester City, Aston Villa. Villa went at 2-1. Ole Watkins opened the scoring. Harvey Barnes leveled it. Dewsbury Hall got sent off for two yellow cards, and then Triore scored the winner for Villa. Chelsea-Liverpool in three different competitions. The last four games between these teams have been nil-nil, and it didn't change. Well, it added to it, I should say, on uh, Tuesday. Nil-nil. So nil-nil in both at the bridge and at Anfield in the league and the last two cup finals they played both went to penalties and extra time then penalties nil nil so no goals scored there um and Chelsea seem like they're going to appoint Frank Lampard to be the caretaker manager to finish out the season because they don't want to go through the whole process of bringing in a manager for next year whether it's Nagelsmann whether it's Pochettino Luis Enrique has been involved now but what if Lampard finishes the job here they win the Champions League you're just gonna okay you're out see ya be interesting. Be interesting to see. Games on Wednesday, Man U Brentford. It was Marcus Rashford, the lone goal. Man U beat Brentford 1 0. So they get some revenge for earlier in the season there. West Ham, Newcastle. Newcastle went to 5 1. Wilson, Joe Ellington. Zuma brought West Ham back to one down, but then Wilson scored a brace. Isak scored off a mistake from Fabianski, and then Joe Ellington got his brace. So 5 1. Newcastle. Uh, weekend soccer preview EPL. Man U in a top four race, really against Newcastle with Tottenham uh, playing games at hand and not getting points. So, uh, Man U and Newcastle tied for third and fourth in the Prem on points. Man U get it kicked off at Old Trafford against Everton. Villa play Forest. Villa should be safe. Forest need all the points they can get. Brentford, Newcastle. Newcastle playing for top four. Brentford playing possibly for a European finish. Fulham, West Ham, six-pointer. Even though Fulham should be fine. They're going to have Mitrovic suspended for eight games after the Chris Kavanaugh push thing that he did. So, I mean, if they lose a bunch of games, they're in the drop zone. Like, they're not in the drop zone, but they're back in um, the fight if other teams start picking up points. So, it is a six-pointer. West Ham stinks. Leicester City, Bournemouth, six-pointer. Uh, Tottenham, Brighton. Listen, Brighton could beat them. <laughs> Brighton certainly could beat them, even at Tottenham. Because uh, Tottenham's in a weird spot, that's for sure. Wolves, Chelsea. Chelsea really haven't looked good for a long time. There were some stretches where they kept clean sheets but didn't score goals. Then there were stretches where they scored goals and couldn't keep clean sheets. So they just really haven't played complimentary footy, I guess you could call it. Um, so they go to the Montelieu to take on Wolves. Uh, Southampton and Man City. 
at St. Mary's. Uh, that's a possible bloodbath if it gets away from Southampton quickly. But if it's nil-nil for a very long time, we understand that Southampton has stolen points from some good clubs at St. Mary's. Uh, Leeds Crystal Palace, six-pointer. Then Liverpool Arsenal at Anfield. Liverpool kind of have to prove to themselves, to their fans, to the rest of the league that they're not as far away as you think um, because they're really far back on points. And Arsenal has done really well. They've done really well. All right, La Liga, Real Madrid, Villarreal, Valencano, Atletico, Barcelona, Gerona. Serie A, Salernitina, Calcio against Inter. Lecce hosts Napoli. AC Milan hosts Empoli at the San Siro. Atalanta and Bologna. I think that's uh, Derby, if I'm not mistaken. Turin and Roma. And then Lazio, Juventus. So we got a uh, showdown between the Turin teams and the Rome teams. That's fun. Bundesliga action. Dortmund, Union Berlin, Freiburg, Bayern, Hertha, Rebel, Leipzig. That Dortmund, Union Berlin game is huge. And then PSG travel to Nice. All right. NFL headlines here. Lamar update is that the Ravens GM uh, says that taking a QB in the first round is under consideration. And also the Ravens told the Ravens PR told media to stop asking questions about Lamar and just to ask questions about the draft because it was a draft press conference, not a Lamar press conference. Uh, so when you have that, when your coach and your GM are up there and they're the mouthpiece of your organization, um, especially the front office side, obviously not the athlete player side, as we know, but they're basically like, yo, stop asking Lamar questions. We're not doing Lamar questions. This isn't a Lamar interview, which, you know, the media has a right to ask questions. So that's really the Lamar update. The Aaron Rodgers update is courtesy really of Craig Carton, who, oh, how do I put this for people that aren't familiar with Craigie? Um, he likes to stir the pot. He likes to make it interesting. And if he has... I don't want to say sources, but if he has some whispers, he's going to go with it, especially if nobody else is talking about it because he's going to want credit for it when it happens. So basically he's saying there's whispers of other teams becoming suitors for Aaron Rodgers, including the 49ers, that um, if they're not going to go try to get Rodgers, could trade for Kirk Cousins possibly um, because it seems like for the Niners, they still don't believe they have – their guy necessarily because Purdy didn't play a ton of games and obviously Trey Lance didn't play a ton of games. So we know Jimmy G is gone. So they've turned it over to either Brock Purdy, who is not going to be ready or Trey Lance, who we haven't seen a ton of. So it's quite a interesting, I don't say conundrum, but it's a very interesting predicament that the, Niners are in, and certainly if they're a team that is becoming a suitor for Aaron Rodgers, the Jets will try to dial it up, and maybe they will trade that 13th pick overall. So that's the Lamar and Rodgers update. Not a ton there. Not a ton there, but just a little bit. Eckler says he's not happy with the Chargers after basically saying he wanted a new contract. They weren't going to give him a new contract. He's like, okay, trade me, and then like, we're not going to trade you. So he's basically... Okay, well, I got to play a year with this team, I guess, then. Huh? That's what you're telling me? So he's not very happy with the Chargers. That's for sure. Uh, Ron Rivera says Chase Young's health will drive a big part of the conversation when talking about picking up the former Ohio State products fifth-year option. I'll tell you this. I understand he's not been the healthiest guy, 
when he's on the field, he's a game changer. So I would probably want that guy on my team. News out of Denver, John Elway is no longer with the Broncos. We know he had a big role with them in the ownership. Then he had the consulting role when the new ownership came in and his contract expired and he's gone. So John Elway informs the media in Denver that he is no longer with the Broncos organization. And, you know, not much here, but the Cardinals are going to get New Jersey's, which who the hell cares? You're a bubblegum Mickey Mouse organization with a little mouse at quarterback. Maybe that was mean. Maybe that was a little mean of the Cardinals. Sorry, Cardinal fans out there. If you're like, what the hell is that for, dude? I, I don't know. That was a little projection, I guess. I'm watching the Ranger game. I don't like where the hell is going right now. All right. Um, so that's the end of the pod. If you're not a Mando fan, everybody enjoy the Masters. We will recap it all on Tuesday along with a big soccer recap and uh, touch on some NFL headlines, of course. So if you are not a Mandalorian fan, now is the time to... And the podcast because we're going to do a bunch of spoilers. If you're not caught up with episode six, turn it off. If you're not caught up at all and you want to watch, turn it off. Uh, no spoilers. Don't you know? Don't be a spoiler. That's that's lame. That's so lame. So goodbye to everybody that is not a Mando fan. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, catch you next week. Have a good one. Happy Easter. Be safe over the holidays. Uh, happy Ramadan and happy Passover if you celebrate. Okay. That being said, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Okay. Mando season three episode six. We had a nice little fun mystery with detectives. It was like Scooby-Doo, but I will say the cameos did hurt the immersion. The cameos did hurt the immersion a little bit. Now, Christopher Lloyd's a great actor, and I did obviously recognize him, but Jack Black is just basically playing Jack Black in Star Wars, and Lizzo is basically just playing Queen Lizzo in Star Wars. Like, no offense, but those two took me out of the immersion not really Christopher Reeve. Uh, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Lloyd. Did I say Christopher Reeve before? Christopher Lloyd. Jesus, dude. I just watched a uh, Superman clip on Twitter. That's why I said Christopher Reeve. Okay. Anyway, good mystery. Good episode, but the cameos did hurt the immersion. We start with a uh, Quarren captain on a ship, and the mercenary Mando is led by wolves. wolves. Uh, they're in an, own clo an old clone kind of imperial ship it looked like moff gideon's i wasn't sure if it was moff gideon's but they're stopping a ship and we got a little romeo and juliet scene in the cold open with a quarren and a mon calamari um dating i guess in love and the mon calamari has been missing they're from the same planet their two species have been at war for a long time it's also the first one of the callbacks from the first season when um grief was given mando bounty still this guy came up um on the um on the on the uh what the hell is it called the hologram thing so this little cold open ends the mandos get the guy back and we're now we move on so Bo and din are going to plazier 15 which is a very affluent planet it seems to be independent but it's kind of under new republic but it's not really and it's not really in the empire because it's not so um, the ship that Bo and Din and, and Grogu are in gets uh, taken over on autopilot. They land. There's plenty of Imperial droids, which right away is like, uh, oh, okay, we're getting a little re uh, repurposing here. So they get on the tube train. Their scan, their uh, codes get scanned to get ID'd. They get to themselves to a big banquet where we meet Queen Lizzo and Jack Black on this planet. Jack Black was an Imperial, but he's part of the Andesi program. He's wearing the button that we've seen uh, previously in the show. 
Uh, they say that they got elected in a democratic process, but Lizzo's family has been uh, in charge of the planet the whole time. So, and they fell in love, which is nice. So they had to hire wolves and uh and the mercenaries wolves 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 whatever and the mercenaries because there's no armies allowed because Jack Black was a part of the empire and if they had an army that would be bad. So basically. Bo and Dan are like, yo, we want to talk to those Mandalorians. So they're like, well, hold on. We got a problem first. We got droids. They're, malf- they're malfunctioning. We need your guys' help. Because guns are a part of your culture. So you can stop the droids, right? Din's like, you had me at battle droids. I'm in. I hate droids. Let's let's shoot these guys up. Let's figure this thing out. So they go to the droid commissioner, Christopher Lloyd. He says there's an off switch, but the citizens have voted against it because they wouldn't know what life would be like without the droids. So that's kind of what the red button is at this point to us. So he's basically like, yo, I don't know what to tell you. Go downstairs. The Ugnots are the programmers. They do all that stuff, you know, the fixing up. So they go downstairs to the Ugnots. Bo tries to do the talking, uh, but Din is like, yo, I know how to talk to them, right? These are the guys that are the same species as the guys that we saw in Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back. And also in the beginning of the series, Krill was of this species at Ugnot. Um, who bought his freedom, if you remember. He's the I have spoken guy. So Din knows how to talk to him. He goes, I have spoken. So basically like, yo, it's not us, man. It's not us. We're not doing that. That ain't that ain't what we do. He's like, yeah, I know. That's not what you do. I just have to ask, right? So then they go to the droids, uh, loading dock. They talk to the former uh, battle droid, now just in charge of them. And we get a really cool scene that if you've seen um, iRobot with Will Smith, or like Minority Report with Tom Cruise, like the AI stuff here and the droid stuff is very similar, uh, the way they way they uh, approach it. And Din is just like kicking the droids. And basically like one of them is going to crack. That's going to be the one we got to chase down and figure out how to reprogram. So until we get that one, I'm just going to kick these guys and figure out what the hell, which one it is. So one super battle droid does go rogue. And Din ends up chasing him down, tackling him through a window. The droid like throws Bo, uh, throws Din, but then Bo shoots the droid. And we get a little crime scene detective agency come out with the four droids. And we get another clue from the detectives that they get this little piece from the droid. Okay? So the droids, are de- our detectives go to the droid bar now. And they're playing good cop, bad cop with the bartender. But the, the droid is like, yo, we want to help. Like, we understand that they can shut us down and we're droids and we have a bad rap because of the battle droids and the super battle. Like, yo, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people. We, we, we just want to help. We don't want to do this. So he gives them info about the fluid they drink, which is nep- nepathine? nepathine, I believe. So they're like, okay, another clue. So they go to the coroner, right? They're researching the death of the droid. They scan the ne- nepathine, and there's a code that gives nano droids in through the nepathine to the droids to recode them to um, go crazy. And it they find out it's from the commissioner. So he did it illegally. And the droid with them goes nuts and Din slices it in half with the Darksaber. So just to remember, he's got the Darksaber. So then Bo and Din go to confront the commissioner. He says, oh yeah? You think you figured me out, didn't you, Mandalorians? Well, guess what? The switch that I said is an off switch, it isn't an off switch. It's a switch that makes them program to their old setting because I'm a separatist and I think Count Dooku was the man. And as he's doing this little speech, 
Bo's like, yeah, I've had enough of this, and just kind of shoots him with one of those stun things. So he goes down. Nobody hits the button. We're all safe. So they bring him to Lizzo and Jack Black. While they're doing that, they're playing like a croquet game, I guess you could say, and Grogu's cheating and using the Force to help Lizzo win after Lizzo fed him and held her, <laughs> held him. So, of course. Um, so then they send the commissioner into exile. Bo gets the key to the city. Grogu gets knighted. It's a very, very nice ending until we were like, wait, that's not why they were there. They were there to go talk to the old Mandalorians and see if she can get her squad back together. So they're on the tube train. They're going out there. And Din's like, yo, like, what's your plan? What are you what are you trying to do here? And she's basically like, um, I don't know. Let's just kind of see how it goes. So Bo gets there. Wolves is like, yo, I run the show now. He's got the dark saber. You're like nothing. So what do you want to do? And she's like, you know what? I'm challenging you. So she beats him after he finally yields, right? And he's like, okay, it doesn't matter that you beat me. Nobody's going to follow you. He's got the saber and nobody's going to follow him because he's not even a pure Mandalorian. And we're like, oh, that's okay. Because he couldn't just show up like, I have the dark saber. Follow me. Actually, follow her. No. But remember, Din got bested by the thing, that eyeball thing a couple episodes ago. Bo bested that droid thing with the dark saber. So in theory, it's hers. And Din's like, yo, you're right. It isn't my saber. It's hers now. She defeated the enemy that defeated me. Would this blade not belong to her? And nobody says anything. And Din looks at Wooves. He's like, would it not belong to her? <laughs> like, that was so awesome. <laughs> would it not belong to her? Would it not, be would it not belong to her? You tell me, right? Um, so Din gives her the saber. She raises it. Episode over. So now she's got some Mandalorians on her side. We got to have this Moff Gideon tie-in soon. I don't think we're done with Pirates this season. So these last two episodes are going to be very interesting. Um, with we got She's got the Darksaber now. She's got some Mandalorians with her. Din's got the Children of the Watch and the Armorer and Vizsla with her as well. So the Mandos are coming back together here. When are we going to see Moff Gideon? Do we see him next episode or do they save it for the finale? I'm I'm pretty sure we will see him next episode, if yeah, if I had to guess. Now, Ryan Airy of Screen Crush and the guy in Heavy Spoilers, I don't remember his name, they point out so many so much cool stuff. I really recommend their channels. They help me with my recaps here, um, scene by scene and explaining some stuff that even I don't watch because I never watch Rebels or Clone Wars, that kind of stuff. So they really help me a lot. So shout out those guys. I, I love their videos. They do such a great job. And Ryan Airy translates all the language, the Arabesh, and they had like Sector 7G for a Simpsons nod. And you know I love the Simpsons. So um, I love that stuff. When they can tie in news. And like apparently the Arabesh on the Christopher Lloyd thing was basically like, we know you guys read this. This means nothing. Like, thank you. Like, that's so fun. Like, I love that. I love Star Wars. Now, again, did the Christopher Lloyd cameo take me out? No. Not necessarily. He's a traditionally trained actor. He's a brilliant actor. Jack Black is Jack Black and Lizzo's Lizzo. So that kind of took me out a little bit. I'm going to be honest. 
It took me out of my immersion. My immersion, no, minus one, as those RP frogs say on Twitch. Um, but yes, I am. Um, I love the show. I love Star Wars. I love Favreau. I love Filoni. I, I think those guys know what the hell they're doing. And I'm very excited to see how this season ends because I wonder how many seasons they have mapped out for this show. Is it like a six kind of thing? Is it a 10? You know, where are we going to go? So nevertheless, a very, very good episode, even though it was like Scooby-Doo. It was kind of fun. It wasn't like anything crazy. Um, it was still a very, very fun episode, which again, not necessarily all plot stuff. We moved in a couple of different directions. We introduced some new characters that maybe will come back around, but we had a little separatist thing. We had a little politics thing. And I know people don't like politics and in, in Star Wars. They hated the prequels because of politics. Hey, he's got to do something. George had to do something, okay? You can just be like, Anakin and the Star Vader, end of trilogy. Like, what are we doing here? So I like it. I'm enjoying it. If you're not liking it, if the, if the cameos did too much, then don't watch. Then don't watch, okay? Nobody's forcing you to watch anything. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. Do whatever you want. Consume whatever you want. That's my message. Okay. Uh, so, and again, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, happy Ramadan. Happy uh, Passover. Everybody celebrating. Um, no drinking, no driving. And enjoy the Masters, which we will recap fully on Tuesday's program. So have a great weekend. If you're with some family, enjoy it. And um, enjoy the Masters. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.